Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Thank you very much for uh, coming to speak to us. It's uh, such a pleasure to have you on this uh, Business, Worth and Mindset podcast. Yeah. How, how is the day so far? Busy? The, the day's been uh, the day's been busy. It's been a busy day so far, so it's been all good. Thanks and thanks for having us on here. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, here to serve and help and uh, share what I can share with your your, your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. You've got a, a lot of uh, golden nuggets, you know, seeing uh, you know all the bits that you've done. So we thought uh, it would be it would be good to you know get to share uh, your your thoughts your 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 business and your journey as well with with our listeners you know who you know who get uh, inspired to believe that it's also possible for them and uh, you know some can probably you know follow you and uh, engage with your your journey and what you provide as well for for property investors so it, it should be good so i thought uh, probably uh, to to begin with if you can uh, just to give us a bit of our context and background of your your journey as well up up to where you are now which uh, you know uh some you know our listeners tend to sort of relate to that that kind of journey for our guests so they can get to uh, appreciate your your background and see how that relates to themselves in a way that they feel you know if actor can uh, you know get to this particular stage with uh, his story, maybe there is also hope for us as well. So yeah, it would be good to yeah if you can take us through yeah, your beginnings uh, and uh, up up to here. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be uh, more than delighted to do that. So, yeah. um, my my kind of beginnings of entrepreneurship started when I was very young. I was uh, eighteen years of age. Yeah. I moved home very young, and I moved into a an apartment. Mm-hmm. And after I was in there for a couple of days, I got a call from the letting agent saying the landlord was going to come around and collect his letters. So one evening there was a knock on the door. Mm-hmm. I opened the door and there was a young guy standing there with like a baseball cap on, puffer jacket. So bear in mind, this is early 90s, 1992. Yeah. And he said, hey, I've come to collect the uh, the mail. And I said, oh, you must be the, the landlord's son. He said, no, I'm Andy, your landlord. And I remember thinking, you've got to be flipping yeah. kidding me because this guy <laughs> was about my age. And I remember thinking at the time, yeah. It was a really difficult thing for me to, you know, move out of home. It took me like six months to save up money for furniture and rent in advance and deposits and all that stuff. And I remember thinking, you know, it was a big, it was a big deal for me to move out of home at eighteen. Yeah. I remember then thinking, like, how on earth is this kid who's the same age as me managed to buy a property? Mm. And uh, I actually became very, very good friends with Andy, my landlord, and I found out that he went to. Um, he inherited some money from a relative passing away, which was about yeah, ten thousand yeah. pounds. He then went and borrowed another ten thousand pounds from a family member, and he bought this flat, which was in South London, mm. uh, from auction. And I remember thinking, "Wow, I didn't know you could do that." But he then went and refinanced the flat for twenty-five grand and got all of his money back out of the deal. And I remember thinking, "Wow, this is flipping yeah. amazing, right?" Yeah. So he bought this. He bought this 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 deal, which is which in essence was a no money left in deal. But I then yeah. found out he repeated this process five times and bought five properties. So the only reason he stopped is because he couldn't get any more mortgages. And back then there were no buy let mortgages. Yeah. So this yeah. totally inspired me. I remember thinking, wow, like I'm going to become a, uh, you know, a landlord. I'm going to become a buy to let investor. But it took me 10 years to buy my first property. So people say, well, why did it take you so long? What was, you know, yeah. what, what, why? And, and the truth be known is people also say, why did you move out of home so young? Well, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family unit. You know, my parents were, uh, were immigrants. They came over here. It was a very difficult time for them. And my parents split when I was about five years of age. But for about 10 years, they had this you know, uh, love-hate relationship. You know, they were kind of fighting with each other, mm-hmm. dragging us through custody battles. We were in and out of court. And then when I got to the age of 15, they had this huge fight. And it really, you know, it dragged me, my younger siblings, all in and out of court. And uh, it kind of tore the family apart. So my parents were having a great fight, but they couldn't see the damage that they were doing. Yeah. And when you grow up in a family dynamic like that, that's dysfunctional, you know, um, you you end up as a child or as a young teenager or as a young adult, end up having uh, wounds from it. You know, you end up getting hurt. 
you know, it, it creates trauma, it creates limiting beliefs in yourself, you know, it can create a lot of damage to one's mindset. Yeah. So the challenge for me was by the time I got to the age of 15 and my parents dragged us through this really bitter custody battle, I went off the rails. I didn't quite know how to handle what was going on. I didn't know how to handle my own emotions. You know, my parents were guilt tripping us, They're doing, doing all the kind of messy things that sometimes goes on when, when you've got a couple going through a divorce. Yeah. And I just kind of went off the rails. That was the bottom line. I went off the rails. I just didn't um, I just didn't pay attention to school. I went to a grammar school, so I was a pretty smart kid, but I just couldn't handle what was going on on a personal level. So um, I was trying to escape from pain. I just didn't understand it at the time. I was trying to escape from all the challenges that were going on. I started dropping out of school. I started hanging out with all the dropouts. I started partying. I started smoking weed and drinking and like messing around with girls because all that stuff was pleasure-seeking activities. It made me feel better than dealing with the reality of what my life was like. Yeah. And, you know, I got kicked out of school because I just wasn't turning up. And I left school with no qualifications. I couldn't really get a job. I had no proper skill set. So I flitted from crap job to crap job to crap job. You know, I worked as a waiter in a restaurant. Uh, I zipped around on a moped delivering pizzas for, for, for Domino's at the time. I stacked shelves in, uh, in Sainsbury's. You know, I was flitting around trying to do these jobs. So back then for me, life was pretty crap. It was a real crap time for me. I didn't feel good about myself. I didn't have those prospects. All my good friends went off to uni and were kind of progressing themselves in terms of a career. And I kind of felt like the odd one out. I kind of felt like I wasn't good enough. I'd failed at life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know how to understand my emotions or my mindset. So I kind of just kind of plodded along for a little while. But the highlight of my life back then was partying. So I was one of these people that used to work all week, then I'd go out partying at the weekends. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was that was kind of my thing. So, um, so again, we're going back to the early '90s. You know, this was the beginning of the whole rave scene. So I used to go out to kind of clubs and bars and you know raves and be in fields and all that sort of stuff. And it was all great fun. It was a great escape from the reality of the crappy life that I was living. But the only problem about being part of that rave scene is that recreational drugs were part of everyday life so people were smoking cannabis ecstasy was the drug at the, at the time and before i knew it i started using ecstasy and it was all great until one day i nearly od'd and it was at that point i realized you know i, I nearly died you know from taking ecstasy it was just i took the wrong oh. tablet wrong time and everything else and that was a wake-up call for me because it was at that point i thought you know what like life is too short i have to make a big change i can't hang around with the dropouts and these party people that i'm hanging around with I need to step up, you know, and it was at that point I knew I had to make a tough decision to leave that peer group behind, leave that circle of people behind and do something different. It was at that point my mind back went, went back to like when I met Andy, the landlord, and I thought, you know what, now's the time for me to get involved in property. So um, I made a big decision to cut those people out. I moved areas and I started to rebuild my life. And this was quite a tough time. It was a very lonely time because I left the a, a group of friends that I was around with, you know, but these people, people weren't good for me. So yeah. it was at that point that I started to take life seriously. I started to kind of buckle up, so to speak, you know, um, I kind of leveled my game up and I, I ended up working. I was a, a breakdown recovery driver for the AA. So I used to be like all around Southeast London, attending these breakdowns. I was working long hours, 12, 15 hour days sometimes, but I got the deposit together for my first property. So I bought my first property and got on the ladder and I actually felt like I was starting to achieve something yeah. but also at this time I started to get involved in personal development because one of the things that I saw that was a big dis distinction between people who are successful and people who weren't successful is that people yeah. who are successful had a different mindset they thought differently and they had um thoughts that generated different behaviors and I thought you know what I need to learn this stuff yeah. and I was also aware that I was very limited in my own thinking sometimes I had negative thoughts sometimes like I was challenged and when I look back and think well why did it take me 10 years to do my first property deal is because my belief system you know I had limiting beliefs you know I had uh, beliefs around my self-worth perhaps this isn't for me maybe I'm not good enough what if I get it wrong and I screw up I'm gonna look stupid what if I make a costly mistake you know um you know, I'd procrastinate, you know, every time I go to do something and then it was a little bit difficult or tricky, I'd procrastinate and distract myself. Um, you know, I'd have that negative self uh, doubt and that talking, you know, that kind of uh, negative self talk in my mind, you know, my confidence wasn't there to do stuff. And all of this was a direct impact of my upbringing. So when I eventually did do that first deal, I started to learn and study some personal development and start to change my thinking. It was also at this point I did my first deal. I started to train in psychology. So I learned about neuro-linguistic programming. I started to study psychology. I trained as a clinical hypnotherapist. I studied psychotherapy. 
And a big part of this personal development journey for me was for me upgrading my own mindset. It was fixing the stuff that was holding me back because I knew that for me to be the best version of myself, I simply had to think differently. I had to have a different belief system because one of the things I learned very early on is you'll only get as far as your belief system will allow you. You know, I think there's a there's a saying from Henry Ford, you know, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're probably right. So if we've got these limiting beliefs that we've got in the back of our mind, which are mostly unconscious, and a lot of these beliefs can come from traumatic experiences or painful experiences we've had in the past, they're mm-hmm. stuck there in the operating system of your mind and they'll limit what you do. So it was about this time that I started to get involved in property and personal development. And what I found was as I kind of grew in terms of my awareness, my understanding of my mindset and psychology, so did my wealth, you know. So it took me a little while to buy some more property. It took me eight years to buy three more properties. And people say, well, why did it take you so long? Again, it's the same thing. I was doing things the very old-fashioned vanilla way. I was saving up for deposits. Um, you know, I was waiting to refinance. You know, I was waiting on the market to rise. Um, but also I'd, I'd taken a shift in career. So at this point, I became a coach. I became yeah. a life coach first off. I then went into some management development and some consult management consultancy. I started working with some blue chip companies and started coaching executives. I yeah. found I was very good at coaching people. So I started to make good money from my coaching business. And it got to about 2000 and uh, I think we got to about 2006 where I did my very first commercial conversion. Mm-hmm. Everything was great back then. If you go back to pre uh, the last credit crunch, uh, you know, money was abundant, right? You could go and do yeah. self-cert mortgages. You can go get as many credit cards as you want. Like money was just thrown at you. So we was about six weeks away from completing this commercial project. It was a, a shop with upper parts. We converted the upper parts into flats. And I got a call from the commercial manager saying, hey, look, we're going to have to um, pull your funding. And I was like, oh, why is yeah. that then? And they said, well, because the money markets are changing. And at the time I was blasé, I was like, oh, we just go somewhere else and get another mortgage. After I finished the project, six weeks later, everyone was queuing up to get their money out of Northern Rock. And we was literally in the beginning of the credit crunch. So, you know, things became really tough. You know, I had my first child on the way. You know, I had a little bit of money and I moved from London down to Kent. And I I struggled for a little while because money was abundant. Also, my coaching business started to take like a, a hit because we had corporate companies that weren't investing in their staff and everything else. And it was at that point I thought, look, I've got to step up here. What do I do? And I knew that the only way I was going to really make more money was through property. But it was very difficult. I couldn't raise money in the same way. We couldn't go get mortgages the same way. And it was at this point, like through persistence and tenacity, I thought there's got to be a way of me being able to buy property with little to no money. That led me down this kind of rabbit hole and I discovered this whole concept of below market value deals. And I was like, wow, how does this work? No money down finance. Wow, how does all this stuff work? And then for a couple of years, I educated myself and I started to learn about BMV deals, uh, lease options, all these kind of creative contracts, but I still wasn't really doing anything. And then something happened in 2010, which was a real game changer for me. A very close friend of mine passed away and it was really, really sudden. It was just out of the blue. And she left behind, you know, a loving husband and three young kids. And the devastation that I saw was just harrowing. It was really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And when you see someone die so young and totally unexpected, it kind of makes you put your life under the, you know, under the microscope. You start to put things into perspective. You start to question your mortality. And when I saw what, what the kids went through, what her kids went through, it was heartbreaking. And it made me look at myself and my family. And I remember thinking at the time, What would happen to my partner and my child if anything happened to me? Like, you know, would she be able to cope? But actually it was the wrong question. It's how badly would she struggle? And it also brought up a lot of pain from my childhood. You know, seeing these kids lose a mother, lose a parent, um, that was heartbreaking. And then me seeing that could be a possibility. That could be something that happened to my family. um, Brought a lot of pain up in it, you know, brought a lot of pain up. But that pain then motivated me to move forwards. And I thought, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm piddling around with life, right? I've got these opportunities here and I'm not taking enough action. I was too comfortable doing what I was doing. I was working a job at the time. I was commuting backwards and forwards from Kent to London. I was running an estate agency. I was selling my time for money, but it was exhausting. You know, I was leaving home in the morning. I wasn't seeing my kids. If I got back in time, my kids were just going to bed. At the weekends, like I was exhausted. You know, my partner was, you know, we had two kids in the end. My partner was looking after two kids. It was a struggle, you know, and we just got used to that way of life. And it was this experience that made me think, you know what, we've got to do more. I've got to do more because I felt like I hadn't achieved enough as a man. And I kind of felt like I was failing as a father and a husband. So that kind of strapped a rocket up my backside. And I decided I've got to go and learn how to do property properly. I then joined a mastermind. I worked with uh, a couple of really good mentors. 
and strapped with, you know, a bit of pain behind me that was motivating to get me to go forwards. My understanding of property and also my understanding of mindset, I set out to build a portfolio. And within 12 months, yeah. um, I entered the better your best of that mastermind. Um, I had, um, I think there were 60 people on the mastermind. Seven had entered the end of year, better your best. Uh, yeah, of yeah. the seven, I think five of them had bought one property each. One person had bought two. I'd done nine individual deals. I set up two letting agencies. I bought a portfolio of 12 properties from a distressed landlord, and I became financially free at that point. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was pretty spectacular, but it was yeah. hard. It, you know, I was incredibly focused. It was hard grind. Um, you know, I put the hours in, I put the sweat in, I was tenacious. I wasn't going to take no for an answer because this almost felt to me like it was a life or death situation for my family. Yeah. It was my big driver. So that's kind of where I got to. And I, you know, became financially free. It was an amazing experience. I won a, a, an Audi Cabriolet off of as first prize for the, the mastermind. Yeah, and the key, the key thing here was when I started this mastermind, I didn't have any money, right? I didn't have any money. I actually paid for the mastermind with zero percent credit cards okay but i had to trust in the process i had to make it work you know um i knew that you could do these no money down deals i knew you could get investors on board i just didn't know how to do it but i knew i must do it it was a must and whatever whatever happened i had to make it work it was you know failure wasn't an option for me so i kind of stuck my neck out, neck out on the line i took a big risk but i knew i was going to go and do it i just didn't know how much i was going to do mm -hmm. so that's where i got to sort of 2011 and what I, what happened after that a lot of people were saying to me well how have you managed to do so much what was the difference that made the difference with you and the truth be known is it was really down to the mindset it was really down to the psychology because as long as well as me learning all the property strategies and the ways to do deals i had to upgrade my belief system i had to do a lot of inner work so as long as well as working with my property mentors i was working with mindset coaches to remove the limiting beliefs that i had the glitches in the operating system i also worked with a business coach so i could treat property as a business and those three things combined were what really helped me to kind of level up and grow and when i explain that to people people are like wow you know can you mentor me can you show me can you yeah, show me how yeah. to do it so a year later 2012 i was running my own masterminds and the difference was i wasn't just teaching people the property strategies and the business strategies i was heavily teaching people the mindset because yeah. one of the things that i discovered and i've created a model around this i call it the four phases of implementation whenever you take a strategy that's theory and you want to go and put it into practice there's four phases people go through and this is something that i went through yeah. the first phase is what i call the euphoria phase which is hey i'm going to go in this mastermind i'm going to go in this workshop i'm going to go do property and you have these euphoric feelings you feel good you feel pumped but the problem with that is you sometimes get this false sense of achievement like just because i'm on this mastermind or just because i've learned this strategy you feel that your results are guaranteed the problem that happens then is you go to what I call the next phase, which is the epiphany phase, which is you go to put it into practice and then you realize there's things that you don't know. Ah, yeah. how do I talk to a vendor? What do I say to the estate agent? How do I approach a, an in investor to lend money to me? Like, what, what do I do, you know? And of course you have all these doubts, you don't know what to do, you have these gaps in your knowledge. And it's a difficult thing for us to do as human beings because you see, when you are in your business or your career, you're top of your game. When you're learning something new, you're at the bottom of the learning curve, you're a newbie again, it doesn't feel good. So it's at that point people start to meet resistance. That's when fear kicks in, doubt kicks in, mm -hmm. that negative self, you know, self uh, talk kicks in, you know, that's where procrastination kicks in, fear kicks in, okay? Uh, imposter syndrome, oh, who am I to be doing this? I don't really know what I'm doing. What if I get called out? What if the estate agent realizes I don't know what I'm talking about? What if the vendor realizes I don't know what I'm talking about? All these fears and insecurities kick in. Yeah. And the other thing that happens, and this is something that I did a lot in the early days, is you get shiny penny syndrome, which is when it becomes difficult, we distract ourselves from going and do the next thing that's going to be easier. So we was like, oh, Maybe I shouldn't do HMOs. Maybe I shouldn't do lease options. Perhaps I should do that strategy over there. And we distract yeah, yeah. ourselves because of the uncomfortable feelings. Mm -hmm. So this is the key thing that I learned myself. And then, you know, I saw my students going through. They get to that resistance and then they don't understand the psychology and what's going on emotionally and why they're distracting themselves. So you get people who go, hey, look, I want to quit my job. I want to do property. And then they come out to this point over here and they become uncomfortable because they get into that place where they feel that resistance. They're out of their comfort zone. And then all of a sudden, from this perspective here, their job looks more attractive. So it's like, oh, maybe my job wasn't that bad. Maybe it was all right. Maybe it was comfortable. And they want to go back to what they know, which is their comfort zone. 
So the next stage is really what I call the evolution phase, which is where if you can understand the psychology, you break through. This is what I did is breaking through those limiting beliefs, understanding what the fear is, overcoming all that resistance. And it's at that point you break through and you start to get some results. You, you start to get your first deal done. Oh, great. That then changes your mindset. It upgrades your belief system. It boosts your confidence. You start to get a little bit of momentum. Okay. But you need to keep progressing because what will happen is at this stage, it's very easy to hit a plateau and go, I've done two or three deals. Maybe I'm all right. And you stop growing. The next phase is what I call the the excellence phase, which is where you actually look at what you're doing and you evolve and you break through those plateaus. So that was what I look, understanding psychology, I put this model together because I realized I went through this and this is what a lot, a lot of people yeah. go through. And this is what a lot of my students went, went through. So if I could share pe that model with people, they can then understand, it doesn't matter where you are as an entrepreneur, if you're completely new, or even if you're experienced, even if you're expert level, because I've I've mentored a lot, a lot of other property experts in this particular model, they then know how to break through and navigate. The problem that we have as entrepreneurs, especially in property and business, is we all want to look like we're smashing it. We all want to look like we're infallible. We all want to look like we're like, you know, successful. And our egos don't like it when we're struggling or we've got a challenge or we've got a problem. Yeah. We don't feel good about it. So sometimes people don't talk about this stuff. Sometimes people don't think it's okay to talk about this stuff. So one of the things that we do in our academy and our mastermind group is we create a very safe space. And I let people know that this is part of the journey. This is normal. Okay. It doesn't matter where you're at. Whenever you're leveling up your life and your business, you're going to go through this resistance. You're going to go through this psychological and psychologically and emotionally. And this yeah. is what you need to do to, to kind of get ahead in life. So that's kind of what I did. I taught that to my mastermind students and we've been mentoring ever since. I've been mentoring for over a decade now. Um, we do everything in terms of property, pretty much all the strategies. Just to give you an idea of some of the deals that I do, um, we just done a flip. It's a two-bedroom assisted sale flip down in Sussex, quick bread and butter bit deal. We've also got a land deal that we're doing, which is going to we, – we, we're getting, looking to get planning for about 20 houses with a GDV of about 7.5 mil. And we do lots of commercial conversions as well in between. Over the last couple of years, we've just moved into mergers and acquisitions, which is buying businesses and buying distressed businesses. We we're fo focusing and targeting businesses that own commercial property. So it's another strategy that we're employing. So that's yeah. kind of got me to where we're at right now. One of the yeah. things I should add here is that when I got to, uh, I think it was about 2013, um, unfortunately, I split up with my ex-partner. But I was in a position where I had enough passive income coming in from my portfolio that I got joint custody of my kids and I retired for about four years. So I was able to be a hands-on dad to my two daughters. I literally overnight swapped a briefcase that used to have property contracts in it for a nappy bag with pampers and baby wipes. In. <laughs> you know, my youngest daughter was about a year and a half old. And I literally yeah. spent four years um, just raising my kids, just spending time with them, going to school with them, picking them up. Yeah. And I kind of retired for that period of time and I kind of got called back into property and I started mentoring for some other people. Yeah. Today, what we're doing, the kind of stuff we're doing right now, because of the current climate, I think we've got the best time, and the best opportunity in this lifetime mm -hmm. to be doing deals because this is going to be the biggest recession since records began. And obviously, yeah. when there's yeah. recessions, there's distressed sellers, there's motivated sellers, there's more deals to have. So this is what we're doing and this is what we're gearing up for with myself and my students. So that's kind of my journey. That's yeah. kind of what I went through. And this is where we got to right now. Wow, <laughs> that's brilliant! It's such a, an inspiration, you know, from where where you come from to where you are. So that would definitely be, you know, quite inspiring for our, our listeners. But just to to unpick some of the bits there, because there's a lot of golden nuggets there about, you know, the mindset and how, uh, you know, when you shift that, you begin to see things in a different way. But uh, I guess, uh, you know, part of your story is characterized by uh, to get to where you wanted to be and visualize your success. You had to or you went through a lot of challenge and trauma, like in your early years and all of that. So for people who are almost like coasting and life is good and whatever, but they have visions of achieving uh, things, uh, you know, greater things in the future, but they are comfortable. They are unlikely to take that leap to push themselves to higher to you know to greater heights in terms of what they can achieve i mean how, how what would you say to those people is it more about because a lot of uh, successful people in a way when you start a big percentage they've been there because of some challenge they went through which you know uh, in a way gave them a no plan b it's just plan a yeah. just like you said that you know or failure is not an option when you got to a certain point but that was because of challenge so how can people who are comfortable but they have visions they have no challenge. How can they start thinking 
about pushing themselves to greater heights? Yeah, great. It's a, it's a really great question, Alex. I think, um, you know, how do people succeed? Inspirational desperation. Okay. So I, I was in a place where I was desperate. Um, yeah, I wrote a yeah. book just over a year ago. It's called The Code of Reaching Excellence. It's my methodology, which I've kind of touched on today. Yeah. One of the things that will happen is like c comfort is the enemy of progress. Okay. And um, there's been times in my life where I've been comfortable and I've just plodded along. Okay. Yeah. So how do we, how do we kind of really get out of that? The key thing here is to have what I call a compelling vision. This is inside my, my book, The Code Reaching Excellence, okay? There's really a couple of things that you need to overcome when it comes to um, leveling up your life or leveling up your business, okay? The first thing is fear. So, you know, sometimes people are, they're not, they're not just afraid of failure. Sometimes people are afraid of success, okay? And it might sound counterintuitive, but these are the kind of things that I hear, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this. Um, what if people judge me? What if I lose my friends? What if I lose my family members? What if I can't relate with them anymore? There's all these kind of what if scenarios that people become afraid of success. So you need to uncover what those fears are. The key thing here is I'd say is that people need to have a very compelling vision for life. Okay. Um, I would say to people look, whether you're in property, whether you have a business, whether you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, okay, your business is not the end goal. Your business is the vehicle to take you from where you are now to where you want to be. And where you want to be is living life on your terms, right? That's the whole purpose of this. It's to, it's to engineer your life to be the way you want it to be, okay? If you love business and you love doing that stuff, that's great, but I love life more. I love the time. I love the freedom. I love the choices to do the things I want to do when I want to do them with the people I want to do them. So that's what my business is there for. It's, the, it's a means to an end. So one of the things that I get my students to do is to create a compelling vision for life. So what does that mean? Well, it's got to be compelling. It's got to be something that makes you go, oh my God, I really want that. I have to have it. It's a must. Mm -hmm. So how do we create a vision? Now, a lot of people come to me and they go, look, Axel, here's my vision board. And what they'll do is they'll get a cutout and they'll take pictures of this and that and this holiday and this car and this boat and all the rest of it. And I go, that's all great. This is all very attractive things. How many of these things have you manifested? And they go, well, not many. And the reason for this is because having a vision is fine, but your vision, in order for you to be for it to be compelling, has to be aligned to your core values. So what happens is you need to go through a process where you uncover what your values are, what's important to you, what's yeah. important to you about your family, your relationships, your health, you know, um, perhaps contribution, giving back. Do you want to do something for your for a charity? Do you want to do something for your family members, for your community, your tribe, whatever it may be? What experiences do you want to have? You know, where do you want to go? Where do you want to travel? Where do you want to go to? And once you start to create a vision of how your life can be, and I say to people when I take them and teach them, teach them this exercise, imagine you could do anything you want, right? There's no, you know, there's no restrictions. What would you do? And a lot of the time people don't say to me, hey, I want a Ferrari, I want a helicopter, what they're looking for is experiences. They're looking for certainty. They're looking for security. They're looking for contribution. They're looking for connection and relationships with people. They want to give back. And once you start to get an alignment of what your values are and you create a vision that's aligned to it, that then gives you a bigger reason. And then all of a sudden then, by contrast, being comfortable versus having this compelling vision that would make a big difference to your life, this gives you a massive reason why. And if you haven't got a massive reason why, then yeah. your excuses will be big. Does that make sense? If you haven't got a big enough reason why, you're going to have big excuses. So it's really important that we get in touch. And the thing is, most people's values are unconscious. They're not, they're, they're not really aware of what's important to them. So asking yourself, what is important to me in my life? You know, what's important to me in my life? So for me, my family, my children, um, you know, growth, contribution, all these things are important to me. I then put them onto a vision board, which we tend to do like using Google Slides or, you know, and you create a slide for each area of your life or each value of your life. So what do I want for my children? What experiences do I want to give them? You know, what kind of education do I want to give them? What, you know, what do I want to leave behind for them? You know, how do I want them, to, how do I enrich their life? Okay. And it might be people in my community, people in my tribe. What difference do I want to make in the world? How do I want to educate and inspire people? What do I want to do in terms of travel? Where do I want to go? I love traveling, you know. Uh, obviously, we can't do much at the minute. Yeah, uh, I'm a keen yeah. sailor. I love sailing. I haven't sailed for a long time, so I'd love to get back out in the med. What do I want to do? How do I manifest that stuff? And when you start to put that stuff out there and it's stuff that's like closely linked to your value, closely linked to your heart, it's going to create that, that emotion, which is going to give you the motion, the movement to take things forward. So this is where a lot of people kind of get stuck in being comfortable is because they haven't got a big enough vision. They haven't got a big enough reason why, and it doesn't compel them because it's not linked to their core values. Wow. That's, 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 that's brilliant. That's very clear. And, uh, 
I guess an, an, another aspect of this as well for people who they're starting to grasp a bit of, uh, you know, the, the shift to mindset and understand them better. But because a lot of this is about community as well, like the people that you're surrounding with. And Absolutely. That. But uh, people sometimes, because they can't see maybe the, the actual tangible benefit that they can see of uh, investing in their personal development, for example, paying for a mentor or coach, they will, uh, uh, in, in some respect, not do anything. I mean, how would you put it in terms of for the importance of either investing in a coach, in a mastermind, in a group that will actually help you to develop in a person? Because for most people, the results are not tangible. They can't see, okay, I'm going to here. What will I get? It's different to putting your money into a property. You know, it's a physical thing you can get. You put rent and all of that. But how can you get your mind to get to invest into that personal development? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question, uh, Alex. One of the things I say is it took me 10 years and I was of the mindset of trial and error, right? I'll just figure it out myself. You know, it was probably, a, it was a bit of a stupid, looking back, it was a dumb move, okay? Um, you know, when guys are lost, they don't ask for directions. It was probably yeah. a little bit of male pride in me. I'll figure it out myself, okay? I was yeah. probably a bit young, a bit stupid and a bit arrogant, but it took me 10 years, okay, to get started. Had I have invested in myself earlier, someone could have held my hand and we could have cut that learning curve by probably nine years, okay? And then I would have had nine years more wealth, nine years more property, you know, whatever properties I would have bought at that time would have doubled in value. We're talking 30 odd years, so they would have been, tri you know, tripled, you know? So if you, if you think about it, okay, trial and error is costly. It's gonna cost you time, it's gonna cost you money, it's gonna cost you a ton of stress, okay? As of today's day, I've invested over 400 grand on my education with trainings, mentors, and I'm constantly doing it. And I have higher level mentors that mentor me. Why? Because trial and error is too expensive. Okay. It's way, way too expensive. It's a false economy. Okay. When you think about it, if you can pay someone, I will throw money at someone. If they can, if they, they can do what I want to do and they've been there and they've got the t-shirt and they, they can, they're just going to shorten that learning curve for me because they're going to say, actor, do this, do this, don't do that. And they're going to get you there quick and you're going to get the result. Okay. If you listen to a mentor or you join a mastermind and you put things into practice, you'll always get a return on investment. And I've always got a return on investment. The money I've invested in myself has built a multi-million pound property portfolio. And we're about to build like a business, you know, a portfolio of businesses. So it's going to scale up. So I, I would say that you can go and do it by yourself. You can try and do it by yourself. Trial and error is more like trial and terror. You'll get frustrated. You'll get overwhelmed. You'll just feel, you know, you'll go around in circles. You'll feel deflated it's not good for you, okay? It's not good for your self-esteem. It's not good for how you're going to feel. You won't want to do the work, okay? One of the slogans that we have in my academy is do the work, level up, and reach excellence, but you have to do the work. It's way easier for you to have someone help you and guide you. And it's all you mentioned earlier about having the right kind of people around you. Mm. You know, one of the things that I think is important is to be right part of the right kind of tribe or the right kind of community because, you know, People have got what's called crab mentality. So often I have people come to me and go, Look, I'd love to do this, but my wife or my husband, they don't get it. They don't understand it. They mm -hmm. think it's risky and they get pulled back. Yeah. Or it's simply because they don't understand it. Sometimes it can be the insecurity of the partner. Oh, he's going to go make a load of money. He's not going to need me. Where, where, where do I stand? You know, it's mm -hmm. human nature. You also get family members that go, look, oh, you don't want to buy property. You don't want to do that. This is all risky. And they start asking loads of questions because they don't understand. What happens is those questions feed into your mind and create doubt, and it stops you from taking action. So it's super important that you surround yourself with the right kind of people that are doing the thing that you are doing or wanting to do, okay? Because they say in entrepreneurship, you become the sum total of the five people that you hang around with. So if you want to become wealthy and you want to do it through property, then hang around with people who are building wealth through property. You know, if you want to become... Uh, wealthy through being a business owner or you know, mergers and acquisitions, hang around with those kind of people. I also know the co the, the the kind of opposite ex uh, end of the spectrum of that. When I got kicked out of school, I hang around with the dropouts. What happened? That became my average. That became the norm for me because those people, they influence your mindset. So you want to be around the right kind of people who can influence your mindset, but also understand the challenges that you're going through. They mm. understand the growth. They understand the difficulties. They, un they understand the fears, the insecurities that come up as you're progressing in your business. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that that's what you definitely need to have. So I would always advise anyone to find yourself the right kind of mentor, someone that connect you can connect with, someone that you've got good rapport with, 
who's yeah. got a track record of doing it, but then also surround yourself with the right kind of people who can support you, who can encourage you, who can also show you what they've done so that you believe that it's possible because you've seen people that's doing it. You've, you've got the evidence there to back up what you're doing. Absolutely. If you're there with your family members or a group of friends, another thing that happens in social dynamics is if you are in a group of people, let's say it's a social group, okay, and you know, let's say everyone's in a job and you're going to go out and become an entrepreneur, a lot of the times those people will subconsciously sabotage you because what will happen is as you ascend and leave the group, you shine the light on what they're not doing or their failings or their shortcomings. And they won't, you know, they, they won't realize they're doing it. It's not a conscious thing. They'll go, Alex, what do you want to do that property stuff for? You know, that's all crazy. Come with us, come go down the pub and let's like hang out or, hey, look, let's go out of the weekend. You don't need to be doing all that stuff and going to courses at the weekend. They won't realize what they're doing. You know, they just won't realize it. It's a survival mechanism based on evolutionary psychology that's been there for a long time. Yeah. You know, if one person leaves the group, it, it threatens the existence and survival of the group. It's a very unconscious thing that happens. So you need to be aware of it. It's crab mentality, but it can happen from loved ones. It can happen from spouses. It can happen from your, you know, your social group. And you have to be very conscious of it and aware of it so that it doesn't like infect your mind like a virus and drag you back. Drag you down. Yeah, yeah. that's a great advice. So, in terms of uh, someone who is in this uh, dilemma of uh, jumping into something like this, but uh, obviously, the most of most of the time, you can't have all your ducks in a row, you know, to to do something. So, where would people strike the balance? Obviously, if if they are in a job, if they just jump into doing something like a business, obviously they don't have that uh, you know safety net for to cover their bills and the basics and all of that. But uh, at the same time in their job, maybe they're, they're stuck. They don't have the time to actually invest in their personal development. Where would you say the balance should lie? Do you just jump and plan A and just go for, you know, for guns blazing? Or do you create some sort of residual base first, which you can fall back on is supporting you on a month by month basis in case you haven't started earning yet in any particular venture? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's something a lot of people um, ask me because sometimes when people come into our academy, some people are working, they're in full-time employment. Sometimes they're running a business. Sometimes they hate it and they want to jump ship. Yeah. But it depends on the individual and it depends on their circumstances and the resources they've got. Mm. So sometimes it's a transition. It's like where you, you, know, you work in your business, um, you, you do that, but you have a, a game plan or an, uh, like an exit strategy to come out of your business, so yeah. come out of your work and then enter into your business. And it may be that something that's done over a period of time. Now, look, you know, I hear a lot of people that say I don't have the time to do things. Well, actually, there's always time. It's how you manage the time. I'm a big fan of the 5 a.m. club. I get up at 5 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, the reason behind that is because, you know, it's the, it's the time of day from 5 a.m. to midday, you know, research shows that you are at your most productive, you're at your most creative. So one of the things that I do and I teach my students to do is to do all of your high value tasks, you know, before midday, you know, do it for the first four hours that you're awake. So, you know, to get up an hour earlier every day, that's going to give you seven hours in a week. Okay. You find the time to get up two hours earlier. It's going to give you 14 hours, three hours, 21 hours. Okay. It's all doable, right? So what does it take to like get up an hour earlier? Not a lot. Okay. What does it take to go to bed an hour earlier? Not a lot. It's about having that discipline and understanding the systems that you need to put in place so that you can be productive. A lot of the people that I work with or work in my, come in my academy, some of them run businesses. Some of them have got, um, uh, you know, day jobs. Some of them have got families with young kids and they're still managing to build a property portfolio or they're still managing to run their business because it's about having those systems and that productivity and that right mindset so that you can do both. And it's just about structuring your time. So there are some people um, that have got the resources where they can actually just jump out and go, look, I've got enough money. I can do this. I'm going to come out and I'm going to like just jump and like go do this full time because I can do it and I can afford to do it. Well, if you're in that, that kind of position, then it's a great, it's a great place to start because you haven't got the distraction of work. You haven't got uh, your, your work taking up all your energy and your mental real estate. So you can get up in the mornings. You can focus on the tasks you need to do and you can go through that learning curve. It's much easier. Okay. It's like trying to work and do a degree at the same time. It's quite difficult because of how much headspace you've got, but that's not always possible for everyone. So the key thing is to start. Okay. Once you start, you take one step, then you take the next step, and then the next step. So having a, having a strategy to get out of your job, 
get out of what you're doing and in getting into property or getting into business, whatever it is you're doing, is going to be a really useful thing for you to do. And you might not know what the steps are, which is why, again, you want to consult with someone who is like a mentor or a, or, or a coach who can advise you on what the best way for you to go is. One thing that I do inside of my uh, academy, and this is, again, part of my book, The Code of Reaching Excellence, is we have a process called creating a unique blueprint for success. Everyone is unique. So what we need to do is have an action plan that's tailored towards you, that's yeah, customized yeah. so you know how and what steps to take to get you out of your job, get you out of your business and get you into whatever it is you want to do, whether that's growing a, a property portfolio, having another business. It's a transition. Yeah. So if, you, if you've got someone who can, who's done it before, who's got the wisdom, uh, the insights to show you what the, the path of least resistance is going to be for you, it's way better than trying to figure it all out on your own. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 going to fall off, off, off the wayside. So there will be people who will say, but I want to achieve that. I want to get there. But it's hard. Like, you know, I, I can't get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, but I want, uh, I want to, do, to, to do this. But, you know, it's just too hard. Oh, it's so easy for you, you know, because you've made it. You've got your property portfolio. You've got a business. It's just easier for you. You're well motivated. So how can people motivate themselves or inspire themselves to actually yeah. get there? Yeah. So I would I would say, look, you know, when people say they can't get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, I question and I challenge them. I go, look, is it that you can't or you won't? Right. Yeah. If you've got a big enough reason to get out, get out of bed at 5 a.m. in the morning, then you will do it. OK, it's that simple. So what does it come back to? It comes back to having that clear vision that's aligned with your values. And Alex, you mentioned something that's really important. OK. And again, this is inside my book. I talk about the importance of congruency. If you are pursuing something or wanting to do something that is out of integrity with yourself, is out of alignment with your values, you will subconsciously sabotage. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So it, it may be that, you know, people are going to subconsciously sabotage themselves, okay? Another thing, if someone says, I can't get out of bed at 5 o'clock in the morning and everything else, I would challenge them to go, what is your belief system around this, right? Is it that you can't do it, or is it that you don't want to do it? Or is there some hidden belief that you've got around whether you deserve it, whether you think you're good enough, like what's really stopping you? And I'd call people out on their BS, like, you know, with love and with respect, okay? Because if people can't see what it is that they're saying, you're like, you know, we, we're not always aware of what we're saying. Like we have, according to research, it's something like 65,000 thoughts a day. We don't police those thoughts. And until we trained and trained ourselves to become aware of what a limiting belief is, we're going to say things, okay? So I can't get out of bed at 5 a.m. in the morning it, it's it's not true. You can if you want it to. You know, unless you're coming unless you're coming back home and you're finishing work at two a.m., then it might be difficult. But you know what? What's the real reason? Okay. So I want to question someone: Is it that they can't, or is it that they they won't? Is there some other reason that's unconsciously holding them back? Are they sabotaging themselves from success? Is there another belief that they've got? You know, is it maybe property's not for me, or yeah, I, I, it's not for me? That kind of thing. Let me share a story with you, Alex. Okay, which I think is going to illustrate this really well. So a few years ago, I went on a um, a very tame stag do with a, a friend of mine. You know, um, this friend of mine is Christian. There's no drinking. There's no alcohol. There's no wild stag do. What he wanted to do is to walk up a mountain in Snowdonia in Wales. So we we went on this, uh, this, this trek up the mountain. It was a beautiful day in July. We had a tour guide there. This guide was a very experienced guide. He trained the military, trained the SAS. He took us up the mountain. Then he took us back down again. And as we came back down, we followed this street. And he got to this point, he said, we can stop here for a little while. And he said, there's a rock pool there. He said, if you want to jump into it, you can jump into it. And I looked over the edge. It was about a five-meter drop. And I remember thinking, that's ah, not my thing, right? <laughs> and I just caught myself. I walked off and I thought, how do I know that's not my thing, right? I've never done it before. I've never jumped into a rock pool before. So I caught my, my belief, okay? And I thought, this is BS, right? I've never done it before. So I thought, let me push myself here and see what 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 it you know what the what the deal is. So he said to us, look, if you jump off, you know, step out. There's there's a rock at the bottom. Make sure you step outwards. Jump in the rock pool. He said the, the water's going to be freezing cold. Swim to the side and then climb back up the hill. He said on a warm day like this with a little breeze, by the time you get back up the top, you'll be you, you'll be dry. And I thought, 
yeah, okay, I'll give it a go. So I, I stripped off, stood yeah, at the edge yeah. of this rock pool. There was a bunch of guys with me, and I went to go and jump off the edge, and my body froze. I didn't have any fear. I was calm as I'm talking to you right now. Yeah. I stopped, and I thought, why won't my body move? And I asked myself the question, what am I afraid of? And the first thing that came up to me is, what if you hit the bottom? Okay, well, you're going to hit the rock. What's going to happen? You're probably going to break your legs. What's the worst thing that happen? You break your back. Okay, what's the worst thing about that? How am I going to take care of my kids? Okay, well, what if I don't hit that? What if I hit the rock pool? And the rock pool looked like it was about six inches deep. So yeah. I turned around to the guide. I said, how deep is the rock pool? He said, it's about 10 foot deep. But it didn't look that way from where I was standing. It looked like it was a puddle. Yeah, yeah, And I thought, well, what if he's misjudged? Okay. What if it isn't? Okay. Well, I'll probably hit the bottom. Maybe like, you know, I'll hurt my legs. I'll cut my legs. Maybe I'll break my legs. Maybe I'll break my back again. What's the worst thing about that? Actually, I won't be able to take care of my kids. So what, what was going on at an unconscious level was there was a fear of not being able to take care of my kids because my kids are really important to me. Right. So in my mind, I was like, well, what if I was in a wheelchair? How would I look after my kids? And I thought, ah, oh, okay, fine. I knew what the fear was and my body relaxed and I was able to move. And at that point, what happened was one of my friends just ran past and he jumped in the rock pool and he swam to the side. And I was like, oh, wow, he's fine. He's lived. Okay. I then jumped into that rock pool and it was a great experience. And it, was, it was exhilarating. Right. So my point in sharing this with you is that my first thought was, this is not my thing. Well, I'd never even done it before. The truth was unconsciously there was a fear. There was a belief holding me back that perhaps I wouldn't be able to take care of my kids if anything happened to me. So I did this and I did, you know, we jumped off it like loads of times. It was great fun. And then I think about a year and a half later, I was out in, in the US. I was in a place called in Alabama. And there's a place there. There was a, a, a like a waterfall rock pool. And the jump was 10 meters. Okay. I went to go and look at doing the jump because my confidence had built up. Now I didn't do the jump, right? Because I didn't know which point to jump at, but I was ready to do a 10 meter jump into a rock pool. Yeah. My point here is we have these limiting beliefs that are very unconscious. And unless we catch what we're saying and really examine what we're saying, we're just yeah. going to go off. I could have just walked off and not done it. Okay. And I wouldn't have had the experience, you know, it was, it was a good fun thing to do. And I wouldn't have had the confidence then to go and say, look, I'm going to jump off a 10 meter high rock pool. So saying that I can't get up at, at 5 a.m. in the morning, like what's the real truth behind it? What's really going on? Is it that you can't or is it that you won't? Or is there some other belief that you've got hidden in your belief system that's sabotaging you from doing the things you want? Is there a hidden unconscious fear? So I think the key thing here is we have to examine what we're saying. We have to examine our belief system. We have to call ourselves out on our BS and look at what's really holding us back, which is not always an easy thing to do because it's uncomfortable. We don't want to look at ourselves and put ourselves under the microscope but it's yeah. essential that we do this because unless we uncover those beliefs that are blocking us, we can't take that next step forward. Next step, yeah, that's that's brilliant. That's very 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 good. So, uh, just some quick fire questions. Yeah, um, what 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 would you say has been the best advice that someone has given you? The best advice that someone's given to me, whether your mentor or, or anyone. I'm just probably lots. I'm just trying to think what maybe. Yeah, I'll put some put some context to it. I've yeah. had lots and lots of good advice in lots of different contexts. Um, I've had many mentors and many coaches over over the year. Pro probably the best best bit of advice I was given by one of my mentors was to chase excellence. Okay, and that's what inspired me to create my brand, reaching excellence. You know, it was about you know chasing excellence, being the best version of yourself, but not just in terms of entrepreneurship. It's like, how can I be the best version of myself? How can I be the best dad to my daughters? How can yeah. I be the best mentor to my students in the academy? How can I be the best friend to someone? How can I be the best partner to my partner? You know, that, that, how can I do that? How can I be the healthiest? How can I be the help, happiest? And it's about looking at your whole life through that lens and going, what can I do to level up? What can I learn? What can I do to grow? Because ultimately, being the best version of yourself means when I'm the best version of myself, that, that's how I show up to other people. I yeah, show up as the best version for my kids and for other people. And also, it's where I live my happiest life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can you think of what would have been the worst advice that you received from someone? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so, someone gave me some advice around marriage. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was. Um, Crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, it was not the best, not best advice. So, so you know, someone gave me some advice around marriage, which is, I think, it's good. It was good advice, yeah. but it, it it wasn't specific enough. So, I think one of the, one of the things someone said to me is, look, you know, learn to love your partner unconditionally, right? Which I think is a great thing if you can. But when you've got people that behave in toxic ways, doesn't yeah. matter how much love that you're going to show show them or how much love you're going to pour on them. 
yeah, you know, if yeah. people are hurt, they're going to still hurt you. They're still going to run their toxic patterns. So, um, you know, you have to manage that. You know, just loving someone alone who runs those patterns of behavior yeah. is always going to be tricky. It's always going to be a fine balance of, of how you do things. So that's probably been like maybe maybe the not best advice I've had, you know. <laughs> now, uh, looking uh, uh, into like, you know, what, what, what do you do in terms of your businesses and uh, your mentoring and uh, and and coaching and all of that um how can uh, you know wh what are the services that you, you provide and how can our listeners you know find you and uh yeah. sign up to some of your courses and mentorship and join you probably on the mastermind or business uh, property as well yeah absolutely so if you want to check out and find out a bit more about what we do go to our website which is reachingexcellence.com so we run one mastermind and that mastermind covers three areas really okay it covers property and all things property uh, it covers mindset but specifically when it comes to mindset it's really about having the right mindset so you can execute and implement your property strategies or business strategies and the third thing that we do is a lot of business coaching so that we you know we have um people who are business owners, um, you know, people who are entrepreneurs, but sometimes they don't always know how to be super productive, okay? And the key thing is, like, one, what, it's a double-edged sword being an entrepreneur, right? You can do what you want to do, but you need someone to hold you accountable because it's going to be so easy for you to procrastinate, yeah. so easy for it when you're supposed to be working. Oh, let me leave this email for a minute, or let me leave this task for a minute. Let me just go check on my phone and see what's going on, on Facebook and Instagram or whatever it is that we do. It's so easy to get distracted and go into what I call black holes that will suck your attention and your time. So we have one academy that we run. Um, and again, information's on our website. That's yeah. where people can go if they want to find out about um, uh, like working with me. Uh, if you go on the website also, if you want to book a call with me, I'm happy to have a chat with you. We also have a lot of content on social media. We're growing our YouTube channel. So our YouTube channel's got a lot of property-related videos, a lot of high-performance-related videos. We're going to be bringing out some mindset stuff there. So there's a lot of great free content that you can have there as well. Um, you know, We want to give out more stuff. And again, also on the website, we've got the book, The Code of Reaching Excellence. Um, we've got a couple of masterclasses that people can enroll on as well if they want to go and learn. Um, you know, about property or if they want to learn about implementation and execution when it comes to property or businesses. So that's what they can do. Always happy to speak to people if they want to have a chat with me. Always happy to have a chat. If we can help, then, you know, more than welcome, more than happy to do that. Brilliant. So that's uh, that's been uh, a lot of golden nuggets there, uh, Akta. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you and uh, getting to catch a glimpse of the things that uh, you, you can uh, uh, share and uh, just the mindset bits as well. It's just uh, mind-blowing for people and a lot of our listeners are going to relate and catch that as well. So thank you very much for coming on and, and speaking to us. So I'm sure we'll be catching up soon and uh, uh, and it's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here and share this with you and your listeners.